Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Weekly Real Podcast. My name is Jeremy. And my name is Ken. And today we're going to be joining Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey in Dancing a Little Dirty. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Whoa. Dirty Dancing, 1987. And we're actually joined with a guest today. Caesar is in the house and doing the mambo. Doing the mambo <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> yes, uh, Caesar is actually returning. He was uh, one of our uh, distinguished seven uh sorry season four guests uh for our godfather episode uh and uh, he was such a natural we had to bring him back for dirty dancing uh, because we ended up talking about dirty dancing on that episode Mm -hmm. (laughs) i bet you're wondering what episode what movie i'm going to be talking about this episode (laughs) yeah Uh (laughs) yeah (laughs) but before we get to the reason why we're here and the reason why you clicked uh, that stream option on your favorite podcast app. Uh, Caesar, we wanted to just uh, catch up with you since last season. Uh, I know, and this is kind of a, a little bit of a teaser for, I guess, our next segment because we have this new ritual, our Ritual 2.0. You know, we're going to bring back the old ritual just for you, Caesar. Our old ritual, just to remind you, is uh, just to highlight maybe a... Uh, a current TV show or movie that you kind of want to highlight that you've been watching, you know, recently. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I have been watching, I've been rewatching a show that I think it's just because of the moment that we have been in, in this time that I needed a little bit of joy and happiness. So I've been watch, rewatching Ted Lasso <laughs> and I just finished, uh, finished, uh, the last episode of the second season, getting ready for season three. But the show really that I'm excited about, uh, that is just come out is the sequel to quantum leap. I don't know if you've seen it, but Quantum Leap was a show, I think, in the early 90s, maybe late 80s, but I think it was early 90s. It was Scott Bakula, and I can't remember, uh, Dean somebody, Uh, but if you don't remember, it was a show about uh, a scientist who kept leaping into different bodies going through time. So the re... It's not a reboot, it's, 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 um, it's a sequel same name, but now we're years later and they're working off of the technology that they used before. And now it's a new guy and uh, it's it's been surprisingly good. Very creative hmm. uh, and just really entertaining. Yeah, I've seen... Currently... Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I've seen like the f- half of the first episode. Was, like, I got a little busy when I was watching it, but I enjoyed it so far. I, I do plan on continuing that too, because I, I never watched the old Quantum Leap. Uh, but I saw this one. I was like, oh, I'll give it a chance. Uh, it, it's streaming on, was it NBC, I think? Yeah, on Peacock. There you go. Well, there you go. I think everyone has it. Uh, and is it available? You need a um, a... Subscription, right? To to watch all the episodes? I believe so. I, I believe for Peacock you get you can watch the first one without subscription and then then they hook you. <laughs> yeah. But this one right out the bat, it's it was it's great. It's 
It reve- it connects it right away to the original show. If so, if you've seen the original show, there's a lot of nostalgia to it. But then it just drips out stuff about this what's going on now, and it just mm-hmm. keeps you in. If I didn't already have um, the Peacock subscription uh, for Yellowstone, I probably would have to get it for this show. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I. I remember seeing a uh, a promo for it, and I think they're they just hit their mid season break, right? Um, for yes, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Good show, good show, good solid show. And uh, I think in another world, uh, it would it would have made it onto the network. It wouldn't be streaming only. Mm. Well, yeah, you got that endorsement <laughs> because yeah. I mean, now that they're in a the mid season break, you can take Caesars. Um, I guess suggestion and then catch up before they start back up again. Uh, probably I'm assuming after the holidays as most others do. Mm-hmm. Yep. But you know what? Someone that else that needs a little help, maybe from quantum, <laughs> the guy from quantum leap, apparently, uh, the cast and crew of Westworld because Westworld is unfortunately canceled after four seasons. They're not going to be getting a season five. I don't know. Like, that's so surprising to me. Just be, well, I mean, I've only seen two seasons. I love the concept of Westworld, so I was like, I'm gonna catch up eventually. But I guess maybe I should have been <laughs> supporting a little bit harder because now it's canceled. And uh, are you two caught up with the Westworld? I lost it after the middle of season two. Hmm. It it wasn't enough to hook me in, and uh, I just, I mean, really. Right now, there are so many good shows out That's that true. it's just hard to stay with all of them. And if there's not one that that really uh, hooks into your particular um, connection or you know something that 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 really means something to you, great shows are passing by. You know, good thing mm-hmm. with streaming is that they'll eventually come another. I I hate to say this because it might jinx it, but eventually there'll be another time where we're all going to be stuck at home and we're going to have nothing to do but to catch up on all the old series that we missed because there was so much other stuff going on. Mm. Uh, I am caught up. Um, I agree with, I guess, what you guys were talking about. It's kind of season two after a fantastic season. I feel like uh, season one is an all-timer as far as like what they were trying to achieve and what what the storyline showed. Season two became too convoluted and three actually took a little bit more of a dip. And then I don't know why I started watching season four. I think that the trailer got me because I was already kind of caught up and I thought it was a nice bounce back season. And it's obviously was setting something up for the because the creators of the show were setting up a fifth and final season. And so for me, the the news really did hit hard for me. I was like, oh, man. Okay, so now, and this is something that Jeremy and I were talking offline. I was like, oh, hopefully a, a different streaming service like a maybe Prime, Amazon Prime or Netflix picks it up and at least gives them a, a, an opportunity to finish, um, basically finish the, the overall story in season five. So Yeah, and I want to mention... Because I mentioned not this uh, TV news. I normally don't bring the TV news here uh, for the ritual, but I wanted to talk about it. I want to ask you guys, what was your favorite show that was canceled or ended too soon? So it could be basically of all time. It doesn't have to be a recent show. But uh, Caesar, would 
Is there any show that like you really enjoyed but just was gone too soon? Well, the one that came to my mind uh, first was a very... I don't know. I, you you may not have even heard of it, but right after The West Wing, which is the greatest television show of all time, uh, <laughs> went off the air, uh, Aaron Sorkin piloted another television show uh, called Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. And it was basically, um, instead of The West Wing being about the, where The West Wing was about the Oval Office, Studio 60 was about a fictional a Saturday Night Live type television show. It was basically hmm. Saturday Night Live, but they couldn't call it Saturday Night Live, so they called it Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. And it was, for me, it was such a well-crafted, smartly written, I mean, it was Aaron Sorkin, so you know that the the dialogue was, was quick, it was witty, it was brilliant. Um, it brought back... Um, um, I can't remember the gentleman's name who played Josh on the West Wing, but it re it brought him in and Matthew Perry from Friends uh, <laughs> were the two stars of the show, and I just thought it was a great show, and it and it, it they just didn't renew it after season one. So I actually um own the entire season. I bought the entire season just so that I could watch it on my own. Uh, that's how much I, I really enjoyed that show. I thought it could have been successful. Mm, yeah. It's like, especially when shows only get one season to really showcase whatever they got. And then it just, unfortunately, like just went like after maybe three, two or three seasons, maybe we got like a sense of how much potential it's got. But after one season, it's, it's just unfortunate. Some some shows don't really gain steam until like season two or three. Right. And I feel like with the star power behind this particular show, that there must have been other dynamics involved in why they didn't go for season two. Mm. Um, maybe, you know, some of the writers or even Aaron Sorkin were involved in another project and they just had to make a decision. But I thought that this was really a well-written uh, show that really had a lot of potential to go the distance. Ken, how about your show? <laughs> well, I wanted to be a smartass for my honorable mention. Game of Thrones. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it ran eight seasons, but I mean, if it would have stretched to a, a ninth season where actually you get to see more uh, of the stories develop in some of the, <clears throat> the twists and turns of the last couple of seasons where, you know, like, It'll make some of the stuff that happened feel more earned. It would have been nice. Or if they would have, well, my preference would have been to just have full 10 episode seasons for both season seven and eight. I think it would have just, I don't know, would have made the uh, the hostilities towards Game of Thrones, especially the last <laughs> season, uh, less palpable, I guess. <laughs> so that was kind of my, my smart ass uh answer to this just because i wanted to mention game of thrones especially on the heels of the success of season one of house of the dragon go still watch it jeremy yeah well um, eventually which one though <laughs> game of thrones or house of the dragon you, you haven't watch watched both. game of thrones uh, uh yep. up to season four. Yeah. Oh, well you can watch house of the dragon get that one out of the way because it's only then, one season 
Come back and, then, and finish Game of Thrones and be disappointed like the rest of us. Yeah. Dang. Join the party. Join the party. Yeah, because obviously it is a prequel, so you wouldn't be missing any spoilers or anything like that. So uh, my real answer is actually another HBO series uh, called Watchmen. Uh, while technically it didn't get canceled, uh, Damon Lindelof just didn't want to do a, a second season. And, you know, obviously with that, uh, with him not on board, HBO didn't want it either. But I just feel like that first season was one of the best best seasons of television of all time, I think. And, and the way it ended really could have uh, sparked a season two where it would have gone in a completely different way. So hmm. yeah, I don't know if you guys have watched it, but a high rec- highly recommended. I think I've mentioned it a couple times on this, uh, on this podcast. You know, funny enough, my show is another superhero show, probably one that no one has ever heard of. <laughs> because probably out of all the shows that we mentioned so far, this is probably the worst one rated-wise. But I remember I remember it just because it was off the, you know, there was no superhero shows yet uh, in this small gap between the end of Smallville and the beginning of Arrow, which is uh, the end of Smallville was at like 20... 11, 2010-ish. Yeah. yeah. Like and then Arrow was like 2012. In this little smack dab area was called The Cape. <laughs> and it wow. starred uh, David Lyons, Summer Glau, and Keith David. <laughs> so it was it was very... I liked it. It was I was in high school at the time. I watched the show. It was, it was one season, 10 episodes, and then it got canceled. I remember really enjoying it. And then I was like... Why did it get canceled? I didn't know how shows worked that well back then. It's like, I really enjoyed it, but apparently it was not that good of a show. So they canceled it. <laughs> the Cape, was that a Superman show? No, it's just a, another like superhero called The Cape. It's literally oh, gotcha. like Doctor Strange's cape, where it's like he puts it on and then he turns into oh, a superhero type of thing. Gotcha, gotcha. Mm. Okay. Where was so, that? Where was that? on what channel see i don't even know this is <laughs> this is literally like wow. 11 years ago so i don't even remember yeah streaming I wasn't I, around back then so <laughs> yeah i i, I want to say maybe i even use like netflix or something maybe. dvds yeah possibly wow Whoa. i can't even remember it's that long i do not even recall anything called the cape yeah either <laughs> i would have guessed it was about like you know uh, uh like the cape was a place yeah. <laughs> like like Cape Fear. <laughs> yeah. Cape Town, you know. Yeah, just very Cape. interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I might rewatch that. I'm actually uh, kind of curious on how how good or bad it was. Just just own the Blu-ray. Yeah, I <laughs> if know they I have should. It. <laughs> they probably don't even have Blu-ray. <laughs> it's probably just DVD. It's DVD. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to take note and watch ep- at least episode 1 of both of those series to see uh <laughs> what in the world you two are talking about <laughs> what 15 year old jeremy was watching <laughs> yeah well oh now maybe i'm not i don't want to know what 15 year old jeremy was watching <laughs> all oh, right man. but you know what's a little bit more up to date our instagram and tiktok and ken what's our instagram handle i forgot well instagram uh is at Weekly Real, it's the OG, like, uh, I think it's the basically the one that we've been most active on since uh, the inception of this uh, podcast. 
at Weekly Real, we mainly post a lot of our links, our announcements. We have stories and now recasts where we ha- uh, have video because, wow, look, look at this. The, the, look at the visuals between the three of us. It's pretty amazing. Too many visuals. It's blinding. <laughs> <laughs> and then on TikTok, we do some movie and TV review type stuff, kind of like what our old ritual. We have our little segments on our TikTok, which is at Weekly Real Pod. Yes. All right, guys, let's jump into Dirty Dancing 1987. This is spoiler warning. <laughs> I have to say spoiler <laughs> warning for. I don't even. How old is this movie? Like 35 years old? 87, yeah. 13, 35 years old. There you go. Wow. Wow. The, so, you know the, the the gap can run for president. <laughs> <laughs> and Finally. funny enough, before this episode, me and Ken haven't seen the movie. Caesar has seen the episode, right? Like a thousand times. <laughs> Pretty close, maybe a thousand and fourteen times. Yeah. And we're going to get into <laughs> all the. Yeah, this was a great movie. All right. Uh, oh. We'll find out. Uh, I'm kind of curious, really, what Jeremy thinks because I know what I think. Obviously, we know know what. what I mean, Caesar was talking about it again. I want to remind everyone during our Godfather episode of all places. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even remember what I said about it. You know, to be honest with you, I don't even know either. (laughs) I don't know how that came up. Like, oh, Godfather, but maybe like. I don't even know. Patrick Swayze, yeah. maybe. Yeah, but anyway, uh, well, I mean, yeah, we'll we'll definitely we'll definitely get into that for sure. <laughs> yeah. So if you haven't watched it like me and Ken didn't before this episode, you can uh, rent it on Amazon, Apple, YouTube, Redbox, wherever you want to rent your movies or buy the movies, because uh, these guys own the movies. <laughs> actually, spoiler alert for how much they enjoyed it. And just in case you forgot, Dirty Dancing is about Francis, baby, who falls in love with the Cat Skills Resort's dance instructor, Johnny Castle. <laughs> Dude, I don't, I can't take these names seriously. <laughs> I'm like just saying it out loud. I'm like, it feels a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, yeah, we'll definitely get into that later. Uh, but let's jump into our double feature, and just in case you guys forgot, it's where me and Ken uh, think of up some questions. We don't know what we're going to ask each other. Caesar's here in the mix to answer these questions as well. Uh, my question I'll throw up for the double feature. I know we don't really like to do this because it doesn't directly uh, talk about the events of the movie, but I felt like it was curious because I, well, I was curious about this because these characters are iconic. And we've asked this question before about other movies that are kind of old. Uh, if they were to reboot the movie, who would you like to see cast as Johnny and Baby? Because like their their characteristics are pretty unique, and the things that they do uh, sometimes wouldn't exactly be the most easy to pull off in this day and age. So, uh, who would you cast as your Johnny Castle in? Uh, baby. <laughs> it's so funny. That was one of the questions that I thought of. And so I already have a question pr- uh, answer prepared for <laughs> nice. us. Ah, I think we've been having, uh, we've been spending a lot of time talking about movies. And so my answer 
to ca- uh, for Johnny Castle, I would cast uh, Ryan Gosling. I mean, yeah, we talked about La La Land uh, last season, and I thought he'd be a pretty good, like, kind of a, a little bit of an older character, I guess, um, where maybe, uh, ba- like, you know, obviously reveal who my baby would be. Weird thing to say, but uh, <laughs> with Ryan Gosling, I feel like he's got a similar body type. I feel like he can emulate uh johnny castle pretty well if there were to do uh to be a remake and uh i don't know i feel like he he had some pretty good moves in la la land uh during some of the dance numbers uh you know that we talked about last season shameless plug for uh episode 76 which was our season four finale uh for baby i would cast Haley Steinfeld. Interesting. Um, yeah, I I think she has a dance background. I feel like she's um, obviously younger than Ryan Gosling. Uh, she, for me, I haven't really watched too many things of her, but I guess the most recent one that we've talked about on this podcast, Jeremy, is the Hawkeye, uh, the Hawkeye show, and I feel like she has the ability to follow the same trajectory of baby's storyline where she starts off like kind of young and naive and then you could kind of see her uh her development character development throughout the movie so Haley steinfeld for baby ryan gosling for johnny castle Mm, what do you think about those casting caesar or do you got something different no i i actually i'm drawing a blank completely on this um and I don't know if it's because the movies that I'm watching are just like I'm not watching as many current movies. Um, I think Ryan Gosling would be an interesting choice for um, for uh, Johnny. I do feel like he's built for it. The yeah. only thing I would say with Ryan Gosling is I don't know how old he is, right? So in this movie, in the movie. Johnny is 23, 24, maybe 25 on the outside. And so that's kind of what's throwing me. Cause I, like, if you were to ask mm-hmm. me who, who would I pick? I don't know that many actors or actresses that would fall into the 18 to 25 space. How old um, was um, Patrick Swayze when this came out? He was, I think 34, but he was supposed to be playing somebody who was 24. Yeah. I mean, and, like, uh, <laughs> the the ages of these characters, I was a bit confused, <laughs> honestly. When I looked at them, I was like, what age are they supposed to be again? <laughs> right. Like- well, and I think that is a phenomenon just of movies. I feel like in the 80s, you looked at the high school kids in the movies, and they all look like they're 30 now, like what 30-year-olds now look like. And so, uh, but that's what he was supposed to be in the movies. He was supposed to be, you know, mid-20s. And Baby, I think, was supposed to be 17. Mm. So he was committing a crime. Basically. <laughs> that's, why his, that's why his father was, was very upset about the whole, the whole thing that was going on there. <laughs> I, I would be too opposed to dad. Yeah, so it's very bad. Very, oh, very Mr. Hausman. Oh, man. God love him. Uh, I looked it up, by the way. Uh, Ryan Gosling. Actually, we're recording this on November 10th. His birthday is in two days, and he's about to turn 42. He was born in 1980. 
Oh, you would just well, need to shave off his beard. I, I feel like he's got a young look, young looking face. I feel like they could de-age him in twenty twenty two. I agree with you. I think I think that he would be. Um, I think that he would be. He could he could pass for it. He's got that baby mm-hmm. face, and and I I think he could easily pass for it. You know, my cast. I like I I didn't really take into because I forgot the characters' ages. <laughs> I yeah. kind of. Didn't take the actors' uh, ages into account in my choices. I took um, Chris Evans as mm. my uh, Johnny Castle just because I feel like he, before Captain America, he mostly played those kind of like bad boy type of roles. I think he's a little, uh, I've seen some videos where he's a little nimble on his feet. And then for Baby, I would actually cast uh, Alicia Vikander. That's exactly like Jennifer Grey looks exactly like Alicia Vikander to me. Who she really? she played um uh to like Tomb Raider, yeah, Lara yeah. Croft in oh, the okay. latest, yeah, okay. I know who you're and, talking about now. Amongst other things, that's who she reminds me of. So I was like, can't get that out of my head. I was gonna say the reason why you chose Chris Evans was because of that shaving um, scene in Endgame. Huh? He's like, oh, he looks baby face now. <laughs> yeah. So, so he could, he could play the Patrick Swayze Johnny Castle role. Yeah, if, like if he was obviously if he was younger around the time like that uh, like early two thousands era Chris Evans, I think he could pull it off. Mm. By the way, I didn't mean to. I don't mean to put you on the spot, Caesar, but uh, I don't believe we heard your baby casting. No, I I, I can't think honestly. I I, oh. I I'm gonna have to think. Let my brains kind of uh simmer on this for a little bit before mm. i think about it because i honestly right now don't know who or i can't think of anybody who i would put in either of those roles i was thinking originally when when we when you first said it i was thinking um i really liked um i can't remember her name but the uh, girl who p- was the lead in the footloose remake oh um, who is Julianne a professional Huff. dancer? Yeah, Ju- okay, Julianne. Yeah. Julianne Huff. So, Huff. Yes, I think that she would be great in that in that role. The only thing is, is that I wouldn't. I think that people wouldn't buy it because she's a dancer. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that made Jennifer Grey so convincing was that she actually learned to dance through the filming of the movie. So I don't think Julianne Huff is a good enough actress no offense, to fake not being able to dance. I mean, she's just so graceful that I don't think she would be able to do it with the same. You could flip the roles, though. You could have Julianne Huff actually <laughs> play a Johnny Castle-like oh. expert, and then uh. maybe it's the guy that is learning to think. You could flip the roles. That's interesting. I would cast Julianne Huff in that. I think interesting that's that yeah interesting. that's great I would she would now that I believe that would work mm-hmm. and I don't know how old she is but I'm she could play 24 I guarantee it I don't know even know what she looks like right now but she could play 24 I think that that's that's wow that's really that's good yes absolutely she could be Julie Castle <laughs> Julie I was gonna say Joanna Castle but yeah <laughs> 
Juanita Castle. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think we're gonna have some <laughs> some journalists like, oh, <laughs> wow, oh my goodness. So for my half of the double feature, only because I thought of, uh, I guess, a very similar question, but I think it's different enough. But it looks like there is an untitled Dirty Dancing project on IMDb that I found that is actually due out in two years, in 2024. So for my half of the double feature is, and we've kind of touched on a very similar topic for Jeremy's half. And we'll start with Jeremy, actually. Would you prefer that this project in 2024, if it does happen, would you prefer it to be a remake or an actual sequel within the same Dirty Dancing universe? Ooh. You know, I would have it be set in the same universe. Just so that it's not like it doesn't wipe out whatever's... Actually, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> Because if you have it set in the same universe, that means like you have a chance to screw it up. But if you just have like a plain out remake, you still have the old one. It's like you don't mess with like the timelines. I'm gonna go with remake then. <laughs> We're doing a 180. No, yeah, 180. <laughs> and that was same not remake. scripted. By uh, the way, to- um, I forgot to mention that Jennifer Grey, I supposedly is attached. To this project. I don't know in what way, but I saw her listed on IMDb. Yeah, I I just feel like if it's in the same universe, I don't think... Shoot, man. Do I do 180 again? I'm just going to say I'm going to stick with my answer and just say remake. I think that's the uh, best, safest thing to do. And just like... With your your casting? (laughs) With, with my, you know, I, I almost thought like maybe Jake Gyllenhaal now instead of, because he, he's apparently going to uh, be in Patrick Swayze's role in Roadhouse. Mm. So. Is that know, a reboot? It, um, yeah, a remake of the Patrick Swayze, I forgot what year it came out, 90 something, Roadhouse. So maybe Jake Gyllenhaal, maybe, uh, you know, Chris Evans, who knows? I think that, I thought Ryan Gosling was a bit, a bit of a cheat answer because of La La Land. <laughs> and I thought you were going to pick uh, Emma Stone because she could play like a high school student for like forever. <laughs> well, I didn't want to do the the full thing, obviously, because, you know, they've been... Uh, I mean, I think Caesar and I talked about it, uh, I guess, last weekend offline. We were talking about how... Uh, in that movie with Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, they remake that scene in Crazy. Uh, what was it? Crazy, crazy stupid, stupid Love. Love. I almost said Crazy Rich Asians. I was like, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> crazy Stupid Love, and they reenact it, and I didn't want to completely cheat. Uh, plus, mm. I was trying to think of someone younger for that baby role because of the, I guess the, you know, the portrayal in this movie. Caesar, you're up. Would you prefer that this 2024 project be a remake or a sequel? Well, this is probably an age thing, but I would really like to see a sequel. I think I think that um I think that it has been around long enough, but still not long enough. And if Jennifer Grey came back as cast and not just, you know, producing it or whatever, 
but she actually came back into the movie. Uh, the movie would then, let's say if it came out, you said in 2024, mm-hmm. that Early, means the, I think in February. Okay. So that means that the movie is going to be set in 1998, 1999. And that would be a, an interesting time period for music and dance, mm. right? Because late nineties, you're like, just hip hop is just coming in. And it's not the the hip hop that was being featured in media was not the the early '80s kind of um, mm. caricature of hip hop. It was really more ingrained in the culture by then. It was it was cross cultural by then, and so I I think it would be interesting to see that cross cultural dynamic of how uh, rap and hip hop just started to permeate all areas of society all cultures it was no longer an inner city thing it was in the suburbs it was in the country um and and so how we what we saw in 1987 was an a shift in the in in music where it was set 25 years earlier and yet so many of the songs that seemed very appropriate for 25 years ago were popular again in 1987. And for like um, the, the, the song, the theme song of the movie, uh, Time of My Life, uh, it, it is one of the now all time, uh, you know, best songs. I think it's on the, the 100 list of songs. And um, it won a Grammy and it won an Oscar and it won a Golden Globe. And so there was this, this mix of music that was appropriate for 25 years before and appropriate for today. And how would that now come out if in 2024, where we have a, a sequel that is going to have music that is going to be familiar to us from 25 years ago, you know, or um, mid late nineties R and B and the dance styles that was then, that would still be, and then new music that was fitting for that era, but could real realistically be popular now. Yeah. And and maybe they're even going to tie it back and have songs from the original that pulls all the way through. I mean, I think that there's a lot of creative possibility in doing a sequel. Um, I think they'd have to really, really be careful with the storyline because mm-hmm. you're going to have a lot of Gen Xers like me who who this was a real coming-of-age story and a coming-of-age movie that came out in a, in a really important time in, in our lives. And, uh, you know, you, you don't want to lose them in, in making the sequel. You know, you, so it's, it's, it's really a tough... A, a tough load to carry to do a sequel and to do it well. I think they can do it. And especially if you bring uh, Jennifer Gray back, obviously can't bring Patrick Swayze back or Jerry Orbach back, Jerry Orbach back, back. <laughs> um, so that those, you know, those uh, particular cast members uh, wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be available, but I'd love to see Newman make a, make a reappearance. Yes. Right. <laughs> the guy from Jurassic Park. He's back. That's so funny that that's your reference is the yeah. guy from Jurassic Park. Hello, Newman. 
Well, you took the, the good one. You took the easy one. That was my favorite too. That's true. That was that was the low hanging fruit there. But I think that would be great. You know, I think there there's there's so much potential, and 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 especially because of the uh, a lot of the uh, cultural and political undertones of the original movie, I would be very very interested to see how they would deal with that in 2022, 2023, uh, given you know just how different culturally. Um, we are today than than even when we were you know five five years ago we were talking about this earlier offline about how um, cultural the culture has shifted so much so how are we going to deal with this cultural issue that was set in 1963 that we were dealing with differently in 1987 and that we're dealing with completely differently now here in 2022 you know uh, 25 years later mm-hmm. right? I think it would be an interesting thing to see. I'd love yeah. to see it. I I definitely agree with uh, Caesar on this, just because again, I feel like uh, just to kind of piggyback off of, like your idea, where if they do set it in the mid to late '90s, similar to like the time difference between '63 and '87 versus, I guess, mid to late '90s to potentially in 2024, you could like set it you know, with uh, kind of that background of what we were dealing with in the uh, mid to late 90s um, with the whole, uh, you know, cult, you know, pop culture, some of the social issues, uh, it's uh, political issues that uh, were around back then. Um, Plus, in addition to hip hop, that was uh, right around that time, you'll get like kind of the beginning, the beginnings of the boy band era, too. So there's a lot um, of possibilities to be able to kind of do that. And if you're kind of doing like a whole hip hop slash pop sort of background now, I mean, you know, another uh, another possibility for, you know, Johnny Castle would be a guy like Channing Tatum. I mean, yeah, he's been in a lot of different dance movies and he's definitely got that background. I mean, he would be definitely another possibility for this uh, potential sequel if it were to happen as a sequel in 2024. I love the Channing Tatum choice. I think that, I mean, I believe, I think that as we go through Patrick Swayze's career and especially, you know, all the things that he went through in his personal life um, and then his health and everything, that we forget that he did a lot of these kitschy movies. In, in that same kind of a Channing Tatum style early on. Um, and I, I think, he, I don't know how old Channing Tatum is, but I think Channing Tatum, if he if he's, could still pass for that age, I think he'd be great. I think he's just goofy enough and serious enough. Uh, I just don't know if he can dance. And, you know, the one thing with this that, <laughs> that carried the dance part of this movie was that Patrick Swayze could dance. I mean, he could dance. Ken's Channing like, Tatum can dance. Can he? Ken's like, I, yeah, I've seen okay. Magic Mike five I've seen times. Magic Mike. Okay, I, I haven't I'm seen Magic Mike, so just I'll just have kidding. to take your word for it, gentlemen. But uh, if he can dance, well, then that's 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 good. I think that would be great. I think it would be a great choice. Oddly enough, he was born in the same year as, uh, as Ryan Gosling in 1980. He's oh. slightly older. 
Same year. Okay. Yeah, he has that youngish look though. Yeah. Uh, we does. like to get our we like to get our audience involved here on the podcast. And uh, I want to ask our audience, what is your favorite dancing movie? It could be Dirty Dancing. Don't pick a musical like La La Land. I consider that a musical. Or like me, a um, high school musical. You can't consider that a dancing movie. There's dancing in it, but it's mostly about the music. Uh, Caesar, do you actually have a favorite dancing movie besides Dirty Dancing? Oh, yes. I have a favorite dancing movie. I look for it all the time. Very difficult to find. But in 1984, a movie came out called Breakin'. Oh. Featuring, uh, uh, oh, his his name in the movie was Ozone. I can't remember what his real name was, but it was it was what I was talking about before. One of those campy, uh, early mid eighties. You know, hey, there's this whole hip hop break dancing thing happening in in the in the culture in the underground culture, and so they made a almost a caricature of it. And that's what this show was about. It was, it was, it was, uh, it, I mean, this movie was about, and uh, I mean, you know, the, the, the characters were, were caricatures of dancers and they were all bright and, uh, and, and flashy and, you know, the pirates hat, the leather pirates hat with the, with the earring and the sword or something hanging down on the side of, of the one earring. And, and, uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the girl who ended up being the love interest of the main guy, she was also a dancer, but a classical <laughs> dancer. And, and her dance <laughs> name was special K, you know, I, like I can't remember what her, her what her real name was, or her name was in the show, but she was Special K because she's now part of their little dance group. And so, um, <laughs> I, I I don't know if this was because of how old I was when it came out, but I just <laughs> I love that movie. It's just it was hilarious, and it would, had nothing to do with reality, but it was entertaining, and it had a lot of break dancing. That explains so much now. <laughs> now I know where you get your moves. <laughs> That's where I get them from. I get them from break, Breaking. And then the sequel, Breaking 2, Electric oh. Boogaloo. <laughs> and really, Ken, you do, can't... You have a, do you have a favorite oh, one, though? Uh, you know what? I can't even top that. <laughs> I mean, I don't really watch too many dance movies. I, I don't know if this one counts, but I feel like just because this movie's Silver Linings playbook kind of ends in a kind of like a dance competition, I, I chose it just because it's similar to um, Dirty Dancing in, in a different way. Obviously, it's a different type of movie. I don't mm. think it counts as a, a dancing movie, but I love how it incorporated a dance competition similar to dance uh dirty dancing sorry an easy one for me footloose yeah i already knew yeah (laughs) i I wanted to let let you get that which which footloose uh the original oh good kevin bacon for sure so uh guys let us know our audience let us know uh what your favorite dancing movie is on uh probably go comment on instagram at weekly real 
And if you want to send us a list of your favorite dancing movies, you could probably email us at, you know, the the dancing real pod at gmail.com. No. No. What is it, no. Cam? What's our email? <laughs> no, it's it's weeklyrealpod at gmail.com. All right, let's uh, take a quick break. All right, welcome back from the break. Uh, and you know what, guys? Let's get right into it. Weekly Real Awards for Dirty Dancing. And so for our first award, uh, from time to time, we like to do uh, we like to give choices. You know, we're you know we're, we're pretty easygoing here at the Weekly Real Podcast. So, uh, Caesar, we'll start with you. The first award that we'll give out is either or. You can give out either the Marissa Tomei slash Aunt May Award for what has aged well. Or, I mean, since this movie did uh, come out in 1987, you could give out the Happy Hogan Mullet Memorial Award for what has not aged well. So, uh, your choice. Well, I am going to do the Happy Hogan Mullet Memorial Award <laughs> a long name. for what has not aged well. Uh, this, remembering that this movie was set in 1963 but it was written and released into a 1987 audience. And we're talking about it now here um, in 2023. So uh, a lot of <laughs> 22. Has... Oh, is it only 22? <laughs> yeah. Time goes a lot faster when you get to be my age. You just lose track. 22, 27, whatever. It's the same thing. You know what? You sound so convincing. I was really thinking, I was like, are we in 2023? You had me convinced for a sec. Well, in a couple of months, I'll be right. So it's it's one of those. I'm not wrong. I'm just late or early. I'm just early. That's all right. All right. Um, So uh, I'm going to I'm going to talk about two things. Uh, the first thing that I think didn't that didn't age well was um, the 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 part of the story arc where um, I can't remember her name. Um, what was she doing? The, she was the oh, girl. Penny? She was Johnny's Penny. 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 Yeah. Okay. That was Penny. that was it. It was Penny. Um, I. The the whole story arc of Penny and the you know quote unquote back alley abortion with the uh, doctor who uh, the 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 his uh, Johnny's cousin said you know that he they wouldn't even let him in he didn't even use any anesthesia it was a dirty knife yeah the dirty knife I mean that whole. Uh, that 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 whole storyline there of that, um, I think is is probably one of the things that that is so culturally uh, significant for this movie because it it took place in 1963 at a time where abortion was illegal. In between the time it was it took it was set in 63 and the time that it was uh, the movie was released in 87 the supreme court handed down the roe v wade um decision making abortion legal in all 50 states and so now we were talking to a different cultural time there and now here we are we're november 10 we're two days out from our last election 
where a lot of the polling is showing that while people in the pre-election polling were saying that abortion was very low on their list, in the post-election polling, uh, it was the number two a deciding factor for a lot of people on how they voted. And so that's seen so the reason that I say that it doesn't age that it didn't age well is because of how much has changed and shifted back and forth culturally over the years uh, for that particular issue and where it's at and where and where we are today and where we're dealing with it today and how it, it seems like we've just come to more of an extreme to two extremes rather than over the years actually, you know, as a, as a country processing it and coming to unity on it, we've just kind of become even more separate on it. So uh, that's the one that's, that is my, uh, that whole storyline is, gets my award for um, what has not aged well. Now, I know that was a kind of serious, but there's a second runner up to that. Okay. okay. The second runner-up of the thing that has definitely not aged well is the scene where Baby is talking to uh, the um, he, he's talking she's talking to not Robbie Gould, the San Francisco 49er. <laughs> yeah, the, not the San Francisco 49 kicker. No, not him. Right. Not that Robbie Gould, but the Robbie Gould. Going to med school, getting Penny knocked up, and then trying to go after his si- or her sister, and she is telling him to stay away from him. Yeah. And I, if you remember this scene, Robbie is in the dining room. Yeah. And Robbie is putting baked bagels on the tables for di- for dining service, and he has just got his hands digging right onto that bagel. <laughs> no glove, no nothing, and he's just clunking them down on different people's plates med school and that is nasty and he reaches into his back pocket pulls out a book hands it to baby she hands it back to him the book is all old and frayed and i don't know (laughs) know, he's he's reading that in the bathroom you know he's there for 30 minutes with that thing and then now he's gonna have it on the bagel that you know now old mrs waterman is going to come in and have dinner that night and she's going to be eating all of robbie gould's Ooh. hand <laughs> stuff on that bagel yep definitely did not age well that's pretty <laughs> nasty yes i saw that and i'll tell you for 20 years i saw that scene had no problem then covid comes now all of a sudden i'm looking at that thing and i'm going no way no way. You should probably put uh, one of those bagels in a petri dish, <laughs> petri dish, <laughs> and see what grows. <laughs> Ew! I'm so disappointed because I love bagels. Oh man, <laughs> that's too good, Jeremy. <laughs> which one are you giving out? Okay, uh, I already knew. Like even before watching this movie, because you know, haven't seen the movie before, we knew that that famous dance scene was going to be, com- be coming up. I'm talking about like the final dance, and I'm actually going to give. Uh, the Marissa Tomei on May Award for basically the final dance. Just be like, it was it was better than I expected. Just because like the amount, like the energy, the happy like vibes that it gives, it, it feels very much a product product of its time. But at the same time, it's like I still feel like 
people would get hyped when they see yes. that that scene today which i did because this is my first time seeing it i didn't feel like oh yeah this is very 80s or whatever it's like i uh, i was hyped regardless when when johnny showed up and um talked to baby's dad and all that stuff and they got up on stage i was say like, say, say the saying <laughs> I didn't get the saying before uh, when we were talking last uh, weekend, but say it again, Caesar. Caesar. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Yes. (laughs) There you go. I didn't get that reference until it just went I did the Leonardo DiCaprio meme. (laughs) I am shocked that that is such a prominent cultural reference, and you wouldn't get it if you didn't see the movie. It went over Jeremy and I's head, because when you were saying it, I was just like... Yeah. Who's baby? <laughs> Shouldn't exactly, you have right? babies in the corner? That might be Wait, why is she in the corner? Right? Why, ba- why is there a baby in the corner? <laughs> is, is the baby crying? Is the bi- baby in a crib? And, and who put baby in the corner? <laughs> yeah. Who did it? Who did it? You know, um, I love that scene too. Uh, and, and one of the things that, that uh, they talked about, I think it was probably on one of those Entertainment Tonight segments uh, back then. But um, when... Um, Bill Medley and Jennifer Warnes recorded that song. They had them play that scene from the movie and they sang it to the scene. So when there's all that excitement in in uh in in uh Jennifer Grey doing the lift, it was be- it was because they were watching it and you could he- feel the excitement in their voice because they had the excitement of seeing that happen. And so I think that because of that's how they recorded it, imagine it was as if they were there live doing the recording. So all the feels came through their voice as well as what you're seeing on the screen. It was like all simultaneous. And I think that's one of the reasons why that whole scene is so endearing because um, it was really integrated into the, into the movie. It, it was, it was sung around the movie. Not only written mm. for the movie, but sung around the movie. Man. See, this is why we brought them on the pod. I would have never nuggets like that. I would have never, never <laughs> just random that. things. <laughs> oh my god, that was so good. Uh, well, for me, um, I'm I gotta go with what has aged well. I mean, uh, I'll briefly mention the since you mentioned the music, the music has aged very well. I mean, I was like, oh man, this is such a good song. I it got me even more immersed in the and not not even just talking about the last song, but like Hungry Eyes, mm-hmm. some of these classic 80s uh music that I don't know, I grew up listening to uh, on <clears throat> our soft rock station. I won't mention which, but hey, you know, Christmas music is coming on pretty soon. Oh, you know which wait. you know which Bay Area uh radio station uh that I we're talking do. about. But I mean that's that was my honorable mention. My winner for the Marissa Tomei slash Aunt May Award for what has aged well was actually baby's character development. I thought it was really well done because in the very beginning she's like, oh, I thought she was going to be annoying teenage girl that we always see. It's, it's a trope. We see it in every movie. There's a teenage uh, girl. And then there's that coming of age. And I felt like her character development was so well done yes. in 1987 that I'm watching this in 2022, 35 years later, a whole pr- uh, U.S. president uh, 
<laughs> requirement later. And it was it was so realistic, I think. It, yeah, I don't I don't really know what the timeline was from the start of the film when they're driving to uh, not Max Kellerman of First Take or, or ESPN, <laughs> but his thing. I wanted to mention, you mentioned Robbie Gold. You took that one away from me. Uh, but I got to mention Max Kellerman, uh, not the boxing guy, I guess. But, I mean, I don't know like what that timeline was from the beginning of the film to then. Actually, do you know that? I mean, you are the resident expert. It, it, I don't know exactly the timeline, but it's within a summer. Okay. Yeah, it's within a summer. So that was, that was a, a very common thing three, three months uh, back then for them to go there. And um, so remember I was talking about the, how there's so many cultural undertones in the movie. Um, and, and they played it up. So in the early 60s, um, Jewish people were not very well regarded culturally in in the country they were actually not invited to a lot of the um, typical resort places that you would go to Martha's Vineyard areas like that so up in the in the Catskills in the mountains in upstate New York they had these resorts like Kellerman's where it it particularly catered to the Jewish community so everything Hmm. there was Jewish and and if you look at it, there's so many hints all along the way. They don't put rolls on the on the table. They put bagels on the table, mm. right? And all, all the names are Jewish. All the guests and the wait staff are all Jewish. All of the dancers and, and the uh, all, all the regular gardening staff are all not Jewish, right? So it it was a it was a very significant cultural time in in all of that. And that was a, a big part of the movie. Is a big part of it that that you know people didn't notice a lot. So you're saying that the waitstaff were Gentiles? Yes, exactly. And Ba-doosh. the dancers, the dancers <laughs> the were dancers. all Gentiles. And, and it was, and mm. it was just it's it, it it's it's in many ways stayed true to that time period. You know, it was it was very very well done. Um, and has multiple levels, multiple layers. One of the things that I love about the movie. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, let's get right into our next uh, award. And uh, I, you know, I felt like it was very fitting. Uh, I think Jeremy agrees with me. He was the one that actually came up with the outline. Uh, the <laughs> I had a date award for favorite romantic scene. I feel like there were a good amount to choose from. Caesar, which one was your favorite? Well, my favorite was a scene that came on the at the end of an entire series of scenes where uh, Baby and Johnny were, or where Johnny was teaching Baby how to dance. Okay. And if you uh, watch the movie, in the beginning, Johnny doesn't like this idea at all. Right. And baby volunteered because baby wants to save the world. And this is part of the world. And so she wants to save a penny and she wants to make the situation right. So she's agreed to do this, but she has never danced before. And Penny is, as we heard, she was a rockette. Right. So she is a professional dancer. And so you go through this where there's all this frustration, all this frustration. They finally leave, go out 
like pouring rain, turn the corner, and all of a sudden it's dry, and they get to uh, out in the woods, and they start to learn more, and then they fall in love. And then they go back to, per to practicing dancing. And there's this one scene where they're in the studio, and they're dancing, and now everything has switched, where she... Patrick Swayze is trying to move in. He's trying to, mm -hmm. you know, flirt with her. And he's she's the one who's saying, no, 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 this is my dance area. That is your dance area. You don't come into mine. I don't come into yours. And it's all just this playful banter. And it was just so endearing. And then they sing um, that song. Lip and I can't remember. Oh, yes, they lip sync that song yep. because it's playing in the background. And, uh, and they just sing it to each other. It's a song that's a duet. And so they're... You know, uh, she's Sylvia and he's Mickey and she's Got her a lot lover of boy. <laughs> yeah, I was just was so and and it was so playful and and so honest that you could see that there was that there was real um, emotion in how they played it. And so I just for me, that was the most romantic scene in the movie. It was it was the one that that showed, OK, Johnny was in love with baby. Mm. Yeah, the role reversals were uh, is what you, it it's what adds to it, I think. And then absolutely, absolutely, ooh, so good, Jeremy. Get right in here. Uh, what was your favorite? This is your award. Okay, so, <laughs> man, this is uh, that. That's definitely a good one. So I'm gonna try to make it not that one. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> um, I would probably say it's not exactly rom the most romantic, but I was gonna say. After doing uh, the Devil's Tango a few times, <laughs> you know, uh, the the Johnny and Baby, <laughs> you know, at yes. night. Yes. You know, dirty dancing. Oh, anyway. uh, the Devil's Tangle. Yes, the yeah. Devil's Tangle. <laughs> yes. Tangle. I think it was, they were, they were kind of tangled. It was a tingle. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely something tingling. Anyway. The Johnny Tingle. <laughs> the, <laughs> So, because uh, um, I, I like, I really felt when Johnny was uh, talking to Baby and um, saying that like she wouldn't mention like you're you're free to let uh, your sister uh, talk about Robbie and I like Robbie's like embraced by her dad, but for some reasons like you Ooh, won't even yeah. let like you won't even mention me to your dad like oh oh when he mentions the dream. Mm, that mm -hmm. like like that your dad embraced me i was like dude when uh and like would you actually bring me up and she didn't really like respond and when she does later on actually kind of stand up for for johnny when he's accused of stealing was it a wallet i think yeah wallet um and she actually like admits that they were together at night like it's because that cougar like got jealous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's what it was, and um, I just thought that that whole sequence of those things, how they tied together, was mm. let's just say it was better chemistry than uh, the Notebook. <laughs> wow, I agree. I agree, and I love good. the Notebook. <laughs> <laughs> so good uh, for mine. My winner of the I had a date award for favorite romantic scene. Well, Caesar took my favorite, but I'll, I'll give you my second favorite, just in the interest of giving another one. Um, 
I just like the speech itself because really it was Johnny's declaration that I'm mm. here. You know what I mean? It, obviously, hey, uh, Caesar, do you want to give the 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 opener basically again? Uh, the prelude to the 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 speech. Nobody puts baby in the corner. <laughs> yes and i was just like oh there it is and (laughs) literally like it gets to the point where you know obviously he's giving his speech but it's basically him declaring not just okay baby's like cute and they you know like they're they got the hots for each other and and everything but basically baby was the inspiration for him wanting to be a better version of himself you saw his, um, I guess, personal growth, and you know they they. I think the the thing that works for me throughout this whole movie between Johnny and Baby is that they were able to be um, vulnerable, and they had their right. vulnerable moments with each other. They were able to kind of strip away the you know the facades or whatever. They were able to kind of share, um, like some of the some of the issues that they have been dealing with because they come from obviously uh, different backgrounds, different social, um, uh, like obviously baby comes from a rich, a rich family and uh, Johnny comes from, you know, from very modest means and everything. But to be able to, you know, strip away that whole thing and to be able to trust that person, to be able to care for, a person enough to make suggestions on how to grow. And, and, you know, each one of them took turns being hesitant in following uh, each other's advice, but, you know, circumstances led to them having to stand up for themselves, go step out of their comfort zones. And I felt like Johnny's at the end of the movie, right before the iconic scene was the perfect table setter. And I was just like, oh, it was so good. It was so good. It was, that was, that was really, that was, that was good. And I, and, and, you know, I hadn't even thought about this, but that was really what would change Johnny's life and would make an interesting uh, thing to see in the sequel, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 30 years later, uh, because Earlier in the movie, Johnny was saying how he was basically in this cycle of mm-hmm. feast or famine, right? He was feast on the summer times when all these rich women would slip him money and, you know, and want to go to the devil's tangle, <laughs> <laughs> the devil's tango with them. Yeah. And then and, and then he would say, you know, during the rest of the year, sometimes he would be eating jujubes just to get just to get by. Um, Jujubees is a movie candy for those of you who don't know Jujubees. Uh, so you have, you, you, he's, and he's in this rut where he's just going back and forth. He doesn't know how to get out of it. And baby's the one who says, here's the way out of it. And that's what he was acknowledging at the end there. And so I, yeah, I, I would never, without you mentioning it, I would never have thought of that as a romantic scene, but it was, it was, it was like, starting with nobody puts baby in the corner and then all the way up there it was it it was one of the most beautiful uh, expressions of love that that <sighs> that you've ever heard so kudos so to that I, I i wouldn't have identified that as a romantic scene but it definitely was absolutely yeah, there, there was a lot i felt like there was a lot of subtle ones too um yeah. 
maybe we might have to do a part two of this podcast. <laughs> uh, you know what? But before we do that, we still got to finish this one. Uh, let's go on to our next award, the Avengers Assemble Award for Favorite Scene. Caesar, are you going to pick at some low-hanging fruit? Well, I think it would be, you know, silly to not jump right to the closing scene, right? Yeah. So, but, but because I think that that should be like, we should just say we can't call that scene because it's not fair, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my second favorite scene there you go. was the first um, real dance scene where a uh, baby and um, baby runs into Johnny's cousin. I can't keep remembering. Can't forget that guy's. Billy. Remember that guy's name? Billy. What was his name? Billy. 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 So Billy is carrying these big long oh, watermelons, watermelons right? <laughs> yeah. That we don't see here on the West Coast. But I lived in Florida for 15 years, and so I know that variety of watermelon. It exists, right? Uh, and so he's carrying those watermelons, and baby goes with him, and they go up to the first place where we see quote unquote dirty dancing Mm -hmm. i gotta tell you this is probably the scene that is the most paused and rewound on vhs in 19 well it would have been 89 right and yeah it was vhs and 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 so looking at it not betamax sometimes on 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 uh Laser disc. laser disc. <laughs> if you want some high quality, uh, 240. If you wanted really, really high quality. Uh, 240p. That's so funny. I hadn't even thought about that. Um, but if you look at the progression of dance from the 60s uh, to where there, there was starting to get some distance in between the man and the woman when they danced to the 70s where you started to have disco and there was even some line dancing going on. Right. And then the 80s, dancing with a man and a woman, you were completely separated. And so you come to this place of dirty dancing and you open up into this scene where there is no separation at all between the man and the woman. And an unsophisticated person would look at that and think that it was a, um, a nothing but a sexual uh, expression. But if you've ever tried to do that with another person, you know that you cannot do that unless you're dancing. I mean, there is a rhythm, there is a a, a movement, a a give and take between the two people. They were not just, you know, dry humping on on the floor with music. They were (laughs) dancing. And this is the the first time. the, The reason that it was such a significant cultural thing back then was because of the fact that they were doing this type of dancing. I mean, people were talking about it all over the place. It was all over the news. They started these dirty dancing dance classes, started popping up in every community center all across middle America. I mean, it was just this whole thing. And it was all introduced in that one scene. And that that was the one scene that kind of opened it all up. And uh, like I said, that's that's the one that stretched out that VHS tape because people would pause it, rewind, look at it again. It, it was a great scene. It was very tasteful, but it, it was still very sensual, but very, very tasteful. And uh, it was not crude. And so uh, that is my choice for uh, my Avengers Assemble Award. Ooh, so good. So good. Jeremy, what was your favorite? Uh, my favorite is going to be probably... 
uh, you know me. I always pick the emotional scenes. So I'm going to pick the the talk between Baby and her dad towards the end of the movie. When he's si- sitting there on his, like, this lawn chair type thing and um, just looking out. Kind of be like giving Baby the silent treatment. Mm. And just like she gives him this talk. Like basically, like this is the person that you made me. It's like we're not supposed to just help out the people that like we think we yeah. should help out. That are like us. That are like us. I was like, when she said that, I was yeah. like, and, and the way the, the, the scene like kind of keeps continuing the acting in that scene where they can't really like make eye contact. Obviously, like the dad's trying to like give her the silent treatment because he's kind of disappointed with her. But at the same time, he's she's upholding what she taught him, uh, what he taught her, I mean. And for them to, there, there's that moment where it's like they're, because you can tell that they're a very close father-daughter relationship. Um, for them to like just start crying like at the yeah. end of that scene. I was like, such a, I mean, it got me the, in the feels. The, the beginning of the movie, when they're in the car ride, established it. Like she basically called her dad the best uh, person she knows. You know, like she she definitely looked up to her dad. She was definitely um, daddy's girl. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But yeah, no, it was good. I feel like that was, I think that would be like an underrated scene too. Yeah. I mean, this is all like not the the, the final dance scene. So yeah. oh, <laughs> second yeah, favorite. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think it, I think the word iconic gets thrown around a lot in 2022. I feel like it's even played out. I think I use it a little too much too. But man, that last scene, ooh, iconic. But just like these two guys, I'm not gonna pick at low hanging fruit because I feel like uh, it was really a race for second. Um, I really like that uh, training. Mo- you know, I'm a sucker for yeah, uh, montages. The the <laughs> the dance training montage from the very beginning. I like the progression of it because you get the beginning part where she's all left feet, and you know, like obviously she's stepping on Patrick Swayze's uh, um, toes at like all time, uh, like basically the entire first part of that montage. And then you could see that she was kind of getting a little bit better. And then there's that goofy moment where uh, Jennifer Gray's like kind of dancing by herself. And then she was, you could tell it was kind of getting a little bit better and then she was acting a little silly. And then she was like kind of self-conscious kind of looking around. <laughs> I thought that was probably one of my favorite, favorite funny parts of that um that movie basically but then as it goes on it goes into like a like a second stage of the training where it goes got hungry eyes playing in the background i was like oh they're bringing out the big guns now (laughs) and i was like oh man okay things are about the you could tell that she's progressed a little bit more she's learned some of the basics already and she's kind of got the rhythm and then i love how the training montage ends basically with that beginning seductive pose where he's running his hand like down the side and kind of brushing up against like uh, the side of her like chest. What was this? Ad, ad, what? what? Jeremy? The oblique? Yeah, I don't, I don't like, I don't what know. The body parts? What you, I, the upper or this lower area? part? Okay, yeah. yeah. The, I call it this part. <laughs> yeah, this part. We're doing this video part. now. Okay, the lats. Yeah, the, yeah. there you go. 
But I love the playfulness because then she's just ticklish and I don't know. It just added so much heart to the movie. And I was like, oh, man, this this movie's going to get me. I'm kind of glad that I made the extra one dollar investment in (laughs) buying this movie on Amazon versus just renting it. That's a wise investment. That's a wise investment. And I think part of of the reason why that there you could see that transition was because in the beginning, there was really some bad feelings between Jennifer yes. Grey and Patrick Swayze. Um, because Wait, of, in real life? In real life. Oh. Because they had just come off filming Red Dawn. Mm. Red Dawn? Is that the name of the movie? Where they, they invade the... Uh... I think it is Red Dawn. Yes, Red Dawn. So. Yeah. So they had just come, come off filming Red Dawn. And both of them were in Red Dawn. And, and uh, Jennifer Grey did not want to do the movie with Patrick Swayze. And so their relationship was really strained in the beginning. And then it started to, to you know, obviously uh, work itself out during the filming. And you got a lot of that personal stuff between them in, 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 their, in, in those dance montages. Perfect timing. <laughs> Again. Only little nuggets that you get from an expert <laughs> <laughs> dirty dancing. From watch. someone who's watched it 30 times. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know what? We've come to the, the episode now where competition. Mm. You know, we've got our own competition. And this is where, you know, we're re- really playing for keeps. Actually, really for a belt. And so for season five, uh, our ro- I guess the Rotten Tomatoes score uh, tally right now is currently... Jeremy running away with season five already. He's got 14. Uh, he's got a two touchdown lead over me. <laughs> I have seven. And the guess, which Caesar will be um, playing for, because obviously he's Team our guess. guest, um, at four. And so, you know what? Uh, again, uh, to remind Caesar, first place gets three points, a nice field goal. Uh, see, uh, what do you call it? Second place is one point and mm. third place. Nada. So Caesar, how would you, uh, what would you be, what would be your guess for dirty dancing for the, the rotten tomato score? Tomato. Meter. Well, I will, um, I'm going to, even though the last time I, uh, was, um, a guest on, uh, the podcast and I was able to to uh, do The Godfather. Um, I talked about this Rotten Tomato score because of the fact that I said, well, you've got two groups of people who were here. You've got the group of people who who uh, watched it before there was Rotten Tomatoes and then the people who are watching it after there's Rotten Tomatoes. And most likely the people who are watching it after Rotten Tomatoes are the ones who are scoring it. So I wanted to break that down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... When we when the score finally came out, I was wrong. So I'm going to do it again, and hope I'm I'm going to get it differently. I think that if you are over 45, you know, if you are um, a, a Gen Xer and you watch this when you live in the movie theaters when you were growing up, uh, the nostalgia factor and and uh, just your love for the movie to rate it. When Rotten Tomatoes existed, I think that they would be scoring it 90, 95. I think this was really a great movie on multiple levels. I think if you're under 45, I think there's so many weird things about it that while it's a good movie, um, there's a lot of references that won't make any sense. 
or that didn't make sense. And so I think maybe it would go to like maybe a 60 or a 70. Uh, so if you weight it, I'm guessing that it's like 75, 80 is, is right around what my guess would be. But since a, a range is not possible, I'm going to guess 76 is my guess. Wait, you kind of cut out 70. 70. 76. 76. Okay. okay. 76. Jeremy, the clubhouse leader, what is your guess? Dude, yeah. Like, the whole breakdown of how Rotten Tomatoes, especially for an older movie, is very hard. So i guessing 68%. <laughs> oh, man. I guess you're the Ru- Russian judge this week because, okay, caveat. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had our Halloween. What? A couple weeks ago? Last week. I I, I don't even remember now. Halloween? Oh, no, two weeks ago. That was two weeks ago. Because we did yeah. Black Adam last week. Yeah. Yeah. Halloween, I, I was off. And I was like, okay, that was an iconic movie. Dirty Dancing is an iconic movie. So I'm going to give it a... I had a, a, an original guess of somewhere in the 80s. I was like, it's going to get the classical bump. I'm guessing 93 Wow. Dang! Well, we got a <laughs> we got a <laughs> variety. <laughs> All right, I'm um, looking this up. Dirty Dancing, 1987. Come on, and 76 with a uh, tomato meter of 76 reviews. Caesar, you are the closest. It rated. At 71%. Whoa, 71. Oh I my so goodness. Disappointed what? at all of you Rotten Tomatoes people. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hang on. He said 76. I said 68. Oh, wait. Oh, so you said 68. Sorry. You <laughs> oh, are closer. Shoot. My math is, is way off. <laughs> I told You're you right. to let me You're do right. the math. <laughs> yeah, see, I know. My math is math is my strong point. <laughs> Day of Jeremy. Darn. Well, why you gotta why movies. you gotta audit me for? I'm just <laughs> I know. I thought I I'm had coming to, I back thought, for I the, the oh, I, I, the was to, I was trying. I was trying to give it to the guests. <laughs> My bad. I heard seventy something, and I was like, "Ooh, close." Team guest, you pulled um, what is Steve Harvey. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. I feel hey, bad we, now. We, I feel we like do. I'm, I'm, I'm the Puerto Rican. <laughs> guest on the show today or whoever hosted the uh that oscars the year that we thought la la land won but it oh, was yeah. uh that other movie uh what was it? moonlight i think moonlight yeah yes yeah oh, wow wow well to update the score for season five again jeremy now has extended his lead by a field goal it is now jeremy 17 i'm still stuck at seven and the guess well you got an extra oh. point you're at five. So, Caesar, right. way to contribute. I love it. Doing my part. Doing my part <laughs> for team guest. Team yes. Guest. All right. Well, we do have one final award for the episode. It's the I Love You 3000 Award, where we rate Dirty Dancing on a rating scale between 1 to 3000. Caesar, what is your rating? Is it 3000? Uh, unfortunately, no. Oh, <laughs> um, I always have trouble with this, as 
you gentlemen know already. And so what I did was I broke it down into yes. five categories. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I broke it into five categories, and I rated each one of them 600 to 600. Uh, the five categories I have are dancing, um, acting, music, cultural relevance, and entertainment. Ooh, so for okay. dancing, I gave it a 540. Now, wow. Disappointing. I, I know. I would have scored it higher, but I feel like... Some of the dancing that I feel this is this is selfish of me, but I feel like there could have been more dancing. That's true. true. And so I, that's why I, I gave it a 540. The acting, I gave it a 500. I did not like um, Lisa. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was the worst part of the movie. The worst. The off, most off. Even in the tender moments of, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll make you look pretty, baby. I yeah. Just, so awkward. Yes. Um, music, 600. Uh, oh, yeah. This soundtrack oh. is one of the few. You know, I don't have a lot of movie soundtracks that I could listen to, just listen to that album. This is one of them, definitely. And uh, the only Oscar that the movie got was for um, uh, um. music for the for time of my life. So uh, music gets a 700. Cultural relevance, I gave it a 590. I think that. This is a marker, uh, a cultural marker uh, for us because of when it was set, when it was released, and, and what's going on in, in culture today. And then entertainment value. I love this movie. I've set, set it right at the beginning, so there was no... I wish I could give it an 800, but I gave it a 600 instead. So my I Love You 3000 award rating is 2,830, and you can check my math. Ooh, what is that math? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, we have this thing called the calculator. Yeah, what was your score? 540, 540, 500, 600, 590, 600. It's loose. Basically, 2830. 94.3%. Wow. It's really high. Jeremy. I love you 3000. You know, I actually scored it the same way I guessed my Rotten Tomato score, <laughs> which is <laughs> 2040 out of 3000. So 68%. Actually, that's a still a really good score for me. Um, you know, it's not high school musical or anything. <laughs> I'm just <kidding>. No, <laughs> no uh, but what do you call it? <laughs> like I got high school musical vibes watching this. It's like an adult high school musical. That's what I wanted to compare it to. Um, but I, this is very rewatchable type of movie for me too. So I, I liked it. Maybe I was a little harsh on the score, but does my ratings ever make sense? No, not really. Four ninety nine on Amazon, not sponsored. <clears throat> <laughs> well, I'm gonna split the difference uh, between Caesar and Jeremy. I didn't love it as much, but I really did love this movie. For my scale, this is actually a really good score. And Jeremy knows this. I've I've been trying to judge a little harsher uh on a scale of one to three thousand i'm giving it a 25.95 which is 86.5 percent. so i i i was surprised at how much i love this movie and i'm really glad i spent the extra dollar <laughs> it's so good oh man well jeremy you know what? the season moves on beyond this week uh jeremy what are we watching next week 
Well, next week, Wakanda enters a new era, one without a leader. They must do everything they can to protect their home in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. There you go. New Marvel movie. New Marvel movie, yes. And you can only catch that in your favorite local theaters. Uh, Please don't bootleg this. Um, But yeah, Uh, out in theaters, go watch it in, uh, what, IMAX? Uh, 3D. Uh, 3D. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't work for you much. 4D. I don't know. They got uh, XD. All the all the acronyms. But yeah, definitely go catch it. Uh, are you gonna watch it uh, sometime opening weekend, uh, Caesar? Probably not opening weekend. But I have standing date night with my wife on Tuesdays because Tuesdays are half price days at the movies. I'm not going to pass that deal up. So we're going to probably see it on Tuesday. I just don't know if we're going to see Black Panther or Black Adam. Ah, two very kind of similar. Well, it's a similar genre. But uh, I mean, we'll see which one we like better uh, since uh, Black Adam was last week's episode. Shameless plug to go listen on all your favorite uh, podcast platforms. And so before we close this uh, episode out, Caesar, do you have anything to plug? I mean, it doesn't need to be social media, but if it is, feel free to do so. Any events? Uh, I don't know. Your choice. Not right, not right now. The um, I, I have been talking to uh, some people <clears throat> about uh, <clears throat> starting a, uh, a, a podcast <laughs> and I'm, I, I've got so many ideas that I've written down in my notebook, and I'm looking forward to kind of filtering them through. Um, but the holiday, you know, the bump up to the holidays is always a, a, a rough time for me. It's just so busy with yeah. things, and uh, with the new year coming up, uh, I'm looking into into that, into really marking out time for that. And so that's something that I've got coming up. Maybe if I'm ever invited back to the podcast, I'll be able to talk about it then. Of course, you can also find me on the old people's social media, Facebook, um, and also on Instagram, which is my bridge to youth. And uh, if you want a plethora of dad joke memes, you can follow me on Instagram. You'll see them there. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, where, where can they find uh you on uh on the metaverse <laughs> either on facebook or instagram uh oh they're both at caesar evangelista there you go there you go uh how about you jeremy well uh like i've been continuing to plug my short film the end of yesterday it's on youtube infinite loop studios go check it out the end of yesterday short film on youtube yes and uh, as i stated last uh, episode Currently over two thousand views, so um, I'm I haven't checked it since then, but I'm guessing that that, that number has risen. Uh, so definitely check that out. Subscribe to Infinite Loop Studios, uh, and we'll link it in the episode notes. Uh, for me, you can follow me at Freakin A on both Instagram and TikTok. And so before we close out this episode, guys, any random final thoughts that uh, maybe stuff that we forgot that to talk about? I, I I'm kind of glad that I remembered to. Uh, talk crap about Lisa because she was like the most useless character in a while that I've seen. 
Uh, but yeah, anything oh. else? <laughs> you forgot about the kid from Blackout. Anyway. Um... <laughs> You're right. <laughs> that was back-to-back weeks. Woo. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, I really hated, what's his name, Robbie. Probably the kicker? <laughs> Why? He's, he's good in the fourth quarter. I don't know, man. I'm just clutched. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't a big fan of uh, Max Kellerman, the HBO uh, boxing guy before, and Kurt, Kurt host in ESPN. Man, Max <laughs> Kellerman. I want Iguodala. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I think the music in this movie, it, it, just the music in itself is iconic. Mm. Um, a interesting story, uh, Bill Medley, uh, who's one of the Righteous Brothers, when he was originally approached with the, the movie, they told he told them that he didn't want to make the movie because he thought it was a porno. <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to be singing the song for that. And uh, when they signed Jennifer Warns on to sing the song, she went back to him and told him, no, 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 that's not what this is about. And that's when he gave in. I don't think any other voice from that time period could have, would have had the same effect as Bill Medley's deep, that deep tenor bass that he has such a range, but where he starts out and it's so solid. And he says, oh, it was just like chills right away, you know? Oh, is that Bill Medley just now? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll be here all night. <laughs> um, so well, yeah. Well, I mean, Caesar. Uh, I I said it after the Godfather episode. You're natural for this thing. Um, again, let me know uh, about uh, when you're free. Probably in the new year. It sounds like, uh, but Absolutely. whenever, really whenever. Um, but again, thank you for joining Jeremy and I on this little podcast that we do have. So we could talk about a movie that uh, you love. And obviously now you've shared it with us and now I love it. Jeremy likes One of it. You loves it. Yeah, no, I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> yeah. We said that you like it. Yeah. I love it. Well, I'm it's glad that I, I got a chance to, uh, Sorry, to, to introduce you to part of my adolescence, my growing up. Uh, I was, I guess, 19 when this, when this movie came out. And so, that I, I mean, I fit right into the the top, the age of yeah. these characters. I was right in the middle of it, so yeah. uh, it was it was it was a coming of age movie for me. It, it meant a lot, so I'm glad that I uh, was uh, able to share it with you. And as always, uh, just such an honor uh, to be invited to be guest to be a guest on the podcast. I've been following it uh, for a while for a long time since the beginning, and so. Uh, the opportunities that I get to come on here with you guys, I, I, I value them. So thank you for that. Thank you. By the way, Jeremy, do you want to audit that math? I mean, 19 and 1987. No, I, I won't even guess. That's not, like, <laughs> you guys, that, that, that's, that's new math. You wouldn't be able to yeah. make that calculation. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, Thank you so much again for joining us. We're definitely looking forward to, I mean, this is not going to be your last uh, appearance here on the Weekly Real podcast, right, Jeremy? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, if you can, if you shared The Godfather and Dirty Dancing, who knows what's coming next? <laughs> it's definitely a wide range, for sure. <laughs> oh, there's exactly. a lot. And, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that the movies that I get to guest with you on are movies that, 
have aged a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I, I when I listen to you guys do current movies, I think that's great. I love it. I um, I listen to it. Sometimes I'll listen to a pod, the podcast before I'll go watch the movie because I want to know if it's worth spending the time. Um, but I love that I get to, to, to reach back and, and my library of when I get to be on the podcast is so much bigger because I can, you know, I, I've got a pick of the last how many years of movies. So yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next time also, gentlemen. All right. Well, you know what? You just, you're just giving us ideas for, for the next appearance. And so uh, I don't know about you guys, but I certainly had the time of my life wow. and nice. I never <laughs> felt like this before. I swear nice. it's the truth and I owe it all to you, the audience from the real.